listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. And Rocky, thank you for giving me this privilege of speaking to our church family. I am so overwhelmed with just gratitude that I can share my heart, even though my knees are shaking. I am very thankful for this opportunity. Um, I want to first wish my daughter in love a very happy first Mother's Day. Thank you for being such a great wife and mother to Caleb and to Knox, and thank you for making us grandparents. There's nothing like it in the world. And my mom was here during first service, but I again wanna wish her a very happy Mother's Day. She taught me so much about life and selflessness and servanthood, and most of the things that I learned for ministry, I learned in my home. Um, She taught me that you live a life that what you teach is how you live. I never remember a day that she lost control or lost her mind, can I get an amen? She seemed to have it all under control. And she gave me great memories of sitting around a table with hot food on our table every night, even though she worked 40 plus hours a week. She made sure that we all sat around a table and gathered as a family. So little Johnny was in a Sunday school presentation at his church and his mother was in the very front row, making sure she was there in case he needed her. There came a time where he did, and she was gesturing and forming the words silently with her lips, but it didn't seem to help little Johnny. Her son's memory was blank, and she was standing like a deer caught in headlights, like a deer caught in headlights. He could feel the panic, and she could see it on his face, and finally, she didn't know what else to do, and she leaned forward, and she said, I am the light of the world. And the child stood back and little Johnny beamed and said, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) Our children make us shine, don't they moms? I wanna wish all of you a very happy Mother's Day. Um, I know some of you in the room um, this day can bring not so happy things. And I just want you, each of you to know I love you. I'm praying for those that this is a hard day and I'm celebrating with you guys that can celebrate with your families today. So I brought some props with me today and I wanna start off with this picture. And I'm sorry if some of you can't see it, but it was a picture that hung in my grandparents' home um, when I was a child. It hung on a panel wall for years. And every time I would come to their house, every time we would have Sunday dinners, I would see this picture. And all the summers that I would run around, I felt like I knew this man. I felt like I could hear his voice as he was sitting at the table praying. It became a constant reminder to me as a little girl that prayer is so important, that we should be taking our daily bread each and every day. And then I have this table up here on stage, and this table was mine and Rocky's first dining table when we got married. I think we bought this in a china cabinet for $100. Now, the bottom's made of wood, and the chairs are wood, but this top is not made of wood, so it looks like a hot mess underneath this pretty table. But it has still have a lot of value for me. Rocky and I had it in our home for about eight years before um, my grandparents took it and we got a new table and it stayed in their home until Kendall needed it for college. And so this is a generational table. It has made its way back to my parents' house where it's been in storage. And I'm hoping that maybe one of my children wants to use it um, very soon. (laughs) 
This table has lots of memories for me. I remember Rocky and I coming home on our one hour lunch break to have lunch around this table together, even if it was only for an hour. I remember the few meals that I ruined as we sat at this table and thought um, McDonald's. And I also remember two high chairs sitting on each side of this table as we fed our newborn babies, well, six, six months. I've owned two other tables since this one, and many life lessons have been taught around all of them. Um, it's been a joke um, with many women that are younger than me in the church that said, Mandy turns everything into a life lesson. Well, today you're gonna get one of those, okay? If some of you want some homework for today before we get started, I wanna give you homework to go home and read the book of Proverbs from beginning to end. There is words of wisdom. There are things for your life that you can apply. And so that's your homework. I'm gonna be a mom today and say, go do your homework. But the table is very much of an important part of our homes. It is referenced over 70 times in the Bible. And Jesus was a carpenter who I imagine made lots of tables. Much of his ministry, he spent around a table. He was spending time in people's homes, teaching, relaxing, giving of himself, and winning souls for his kingdom. Jesus loved the table as much as I do. Tables have purpose. And I want you to turn to Psalm 23 today, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And as you're turning, I know that some of you, when we read this scripture, you're going to say, oh, I've heard that a lot at funerals. At the end of someone's life, we read um, Psalm 23. But I felt like today that there is a lot of good stuff that's packed in here for us that are living today that we need to live by. And so I'd like to read it to you. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The part where he says he prepares a table before me. Growing up, and even some into my adult life, I feel like I viewed this scripture not the right way, maybe for me. But I, when, I read, when I read this, I almost picture like me sitting at a table feasting on my roast and mac and cheese and corn while all the people that have hurt me or said something against me are out there just standing around watching me feast while I'm boasting. But as I read it more and I study his word, I don't see a boasting I see a humbleness. I see that if I take a seat at that table that he's prepared for me, there's power there. I see a provider in the midst of despair. And what I feel like he is saying here is that when the diagnosis isn't good, 
he prepares a table. When the prodigals haven't come home yet, he prepares a table. When the workplace isn't ideal, he prepares a table. In the midst of your addiction, he prepares a table. In anxiety and fear, he prepares a table. This table should never be approached as common because this meal that the Lord has prepared is nothing like anything we've ever seen. We should always approach it with a fresh appreciation each and every day because the shepherd is right here. He's sitting at the table that he has prepared for you and he is waiting patiently for you to pull up and take a seat. The problem is we make it a drive through and we don't want to take the time to sit and just be in his presence. And so we get out our cameras, we take a picture and say, oh, that's not good, let's put it this way. We try to snap a picture, fix a few things, that looks good, put it on social media, spent time with my Lord, catch you tomorrow. No, <laughs> that's not what it's about. We need to take a seat, if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and let it be real, and let it be consistent. It reminds me of us moms that want time with our children at our tables. I'll even settle for the island and bar stools. How about you? I don't get a lot of dinner, uh, table dinners anymore, and that's something that this mom loves. But whatever I can get, I will take, because we want to make you your favorite meal. We want to hear your laughter. We want to hear your dreams and your worries and your fears. We want it all. We just want time. And you see, the problem is we're just too busy sitting at tables that we don't belong at. And our priorities aren't in order. Maybe it's that local bar that you frequent before you make it home to your family. Or maybe it's that back corner table in that restaurant that you're sitting at that isn't your spouse. Maybe it's the desk that has become your table because you overwork. Maybe. Some of you in here are sitting at the table of gossip and slander, and that's become your table that you sit out more than the Lord's table. You're sitting at a table of bitterness and negativity. So today I want to ask you, what table is feeding you? In Exodus 12, we find the Israelites having their first Passover meal. The Israelites were coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, and the Lord gave the Israelites very specific instructions on how the meal should be prepared and how to eat it. Now, I don't have time to go through all of the instructions, but I do want to point out a few scriptures in Exodus 12 that shows you how God instructed very much how they should do this. Exodus 12, I'm going to start at verse 1. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. Skip down to verse 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the fourteenth day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the animal. 
That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Let's skip to verse 14. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. In verse 17, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. The festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. And in verse 24, remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. So the Lord gives to Moses and Aaron very specific instructions on how to take a lamb and how to prepare it. He gave them the what and the how and the why. If they followed all these directions, he told them that they would be delivered from bondage and disease. They would have protection for their families. They would have restoration. It would activate all the promises of God that are right at our fingertips also. He instructed them to eat all of the lamb, not just a taste or a piece, but all of it. Just enough for each family. And if you have called upon the name of the Lord and accepted him into your, into your heart, he is your savior. And there, that is an amazing gift to have, to have him as our savior. But some of you may have him as your savior, but you haven't made him Lord over all. And what this looks like when you make him Lord over all is we don't get just salvation. We get freedom, integrity, compassion, faith, self-control, gentleness, and discernment. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit leading me in every decision that I make. And I can only do that if I give him all of it, not just pieces. Also in our text, we find out how powerful the blood of the lamb is. He instructs his people how they should put it on each side of the door and over the door. They weren't instructed to put it on the threshold of the door. And as I was reading, I was wondering, like, why aren't we all covered, like, on the sides, over the top? But I recognize that the blood of Jesus is not to be trampled on. Amen. Amen. But we need to be covering our families each and every day and pleading the blood of Jesus for their protection. Something I noticed in Exodus that I want to point out is the part where it said they served the lamb with a side dish of bitter herbs. I did some studying and I recognized that this represents for them the bitter things in life. These people had become very bitter. Sounds a little bit like us. The hard times had left them so very bitter. But this side dish, they would put salt water in certain herbs that would represent the tears that they cried while they were in bondage. 
And this was a gentle reminder that even though bitterness is a side dish, if we eat it with the sweetness of the lamb, it will rid us of all of that bitterness. But we have to continually eat the sweetness of the lamb. It also tells us in that passage how to teach our children. There were generations that weren't there yet that he was telling them how important it is to share with your children and your children's children. That's why that meal was so important and they needed to follow all the instructions. And this is what I picture. Gathered around a table, telling stories of how they were brought out. Generations and generations of people sharing, giving thanks to the Lord for his goodness and mercy. Our lives should reflect that also. Isaiah 59, 21 says, And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. If we are making time to spend with our Lord each and every day and making time to have meals together with our family, the Lord will give you words to speak life into your family. You will give thanks for what he has done and you will not be depleted if you come to the Lord's table first and then spend time with your family. He has never let me down and his presence is always there because he never prepares a table that he isn't already sitting at. Share with your kids the battles. I don't care if they're small or big. Share them all age appropriate because they need to see how you overcome. It is so important for them to see the how because what you're teaching them now is what their character will be when they're older. The things that you do now are so important. And let me tell you this. I see it all the time and I finally realized that perfection, it isn't important. Don't strive for perfection, but strive for consistency. That's what our families need is to see us being consistent each and every day, to see us coming to the table, to see us spending time with them, being the people that we are here as in our homes. If we flip over to the New Testament from the old, we will find Jesus preparing for a meal with his disciples, what we know as the Last Supper. Again, we find Jesus giving very specific instructions to his disciples and they follow each of them. We find this story in Luke 22, starting with verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And in verse 19, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They had communion together. But do you see what Jesus did there? 
He made it a house experience, not just a church experience. He took it into a home. You see, the things that we do here in this sanctuary that we learn and we get fed on, we should be taking it back to our homes and creating the same atmospheres. We need to take it to our tables with our family because, you know, you come here once a week, some, some twice, but parents, it is your responsibility to be doing the things in the home that are teaching your children that they can be daily fed the Word of God. Amen? Maybe you look at a dinner table like this and it has some bad memories for you. Maybe you remember the disagreements, the fights, the hollering. Maybe it was condemnation or the conditional love that was given. Maybe there's fear when you look at this table because of abuse. Are you hiding underneath the table scared? Things you want to forget. But when you pull up to this table and take a seat, there's power. Jesus said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. What he is saying is that when you come to his table and experience his supernatural power, it can erase all of those bad memories and it can replace them with good. What has been dismembered can be remembered. Maybe today there's someone here that has been dismembered. Maybe you're not welcome at your family's table anymore, but I want to tell you that if you pull up and take a seat at the Lord's table and do it in remembrance of him, you will find healing and you will find rest. Because at his table there is goodness and there is mercy, genuine love and safety. I can almost hear the Lord saying, you may not be invited to those tables anymore, but my table is good. Come and take a seat. There's also joy at this table. Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where there is joy, there is strength. So if you're lacking strength today, you're lacking joy. But a meal with the Lord is a joyous celebration. He brings joy back in the midst of our circumstances where it doesn't make sense. Pull up to the table and find that joy today so you can be strengthened. Like I said, the shepherd never prepares a table that he isn't present at. I want to go back to this 23rd Psalm and let's break it down a little bit where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. To me, that means that not just my green vegetables are on the table, but all my wants. I got the roast, the mac and cheese, the potatoes, the bread, the chocolate cake, the sweet tea. He takes care of it all, and when we eat with him, all of our desires, all of our wants and needs are met. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. At this table, there is rest and there is peace for the weary. Mamas, doesn't that sound like a good gift today? Peace and rest. He restores my soul. Everything that the enemy has tried to steal from you and take, he will restore it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. At his table, I get back on the right path, his will and not my own. He reminds me gently of how to go and where to go. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I took a seat at this table almost 28, 27 years ago. Um, 
Rocky and I had been given some awful news that I had a tumor. They weren't sure if it was cancerous or not. Um, We were in our early 20s, just nine months into our marriage. And I remember sitting at this table, this very table, and pouring my heart out to him because I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I did not know where my life was headed, but I knew where I wanted it to go. And I cried out and prayed and fasted, and he met me there. And I'm thankful for the memories, good and bad, that I have at this table because he brought me out. And I'm able to stand before you today because of what he done for me those ages ago, it seems like. And I have shared that with my children over and over again. And there have been other battles, other things that we have won, and they know each and every one of them. It goes on to say that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Guys, discipline is our friend, or it can be. It's not about him getting his anger out, maybe like what you've seen in your own families. But he wants to sit here and gently discipline us to show us the way. You prepare a table before me. Like I said earlier, he provides us exactly what we need in the heat of the battle. He anoints my head with oil. Healing can be found here. The things that you are carrying, physical, spiritual, emotional, he will anoint your head with oil. And then with all of that, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I want a cup that's overflowing. How about you? I want it to overflow into my own life, into my family's life, into your life, the people I see at the grocery store. I want a cup overflowing each and every morning where I can give and not be depleted. We are never without Jesus if we wake up, come to the table, and take him with us throughout our day. I had a dream last year. Um, It was a very vivid dream. And, And when I woke up, I knew who it was for, and I'd have shared this with that person. But as I was studying for this message, the Lord urged me to share this dream again. In my dream, there was a rectangle table and with many wooden bowls of food that had been prepared sitting on the table. I hear a knock at the door and I switch over to the door and I see someone standing at the door. And then it switches back to the table and I see an empty seat at the head of the table. I feel like the person that is standing at the door is supposed to take a seat. I see a family sitting at the table, a mom and two kids, and they're holding hands and they're praying. And this is where it gets a little comical, so just go with me a little bit. I'm a little crazy at times, but I'm not in control of my dreams. But Jesus is sitting on the table in a yoga style, just sitting in the center of the table. And I chuckle a little bit in my dream, but I see that nobody else is laughing at the table. And immediately I hear Jesus is meant to be the center. He looks at the person that is standing at the door with the fiercest of love, and he tells them to take a seat. He said it's time to look to the future and not the past. And holding hands around a table, praising God together. The person still stood at the door. In my dream, they did not join the table. But that next morning, I was led to Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. I shared that in first and second service, and I am unaware of who that dream could be for today, but there is someone that is sitting in our midst that even though that dream was given to someone else a year ago, I feel like that is for you, and it is time for you to come back to the table. You're missing there. There's an empty seat, and you need to take it. If you watch any military shows or movies, you've probably heard a general or soldier yelling, they're trying to flank us. Now, I thought I had to add this little bit today because you're hearing from a woman and some of you guys need to wake up because I'm talking military stuff now, okay? All right. So they say they're trying to flank us. And this is where the enemy will try to attack from the side or from behind. The reason troops don't want to get flanked is because it's forces, it forces them to divide their defenses. Satan is using these same tactics against marriages and families. He seeks to divide and conquer. He knows that when a family is not unified, he can take them out more easily. However, when a family is operating in biblical unity, they can stand firm against Satan and defeat him. And I want to speak to you guys today that had no choice when someone else walked out on you. And although that person is missing, you still have the responsibility of bringing biblical unity to your home, and God will give you everything that you need to do that, even when someone has walked out on you. We have the power to do all of this if Jesus is the Lord over all of our lives, all of it. Which brings me to Jesus on the cross. In the book of Matthew and Mark, they tell us that while he was hanging there on a cross, Jesus cried out and quoted Psalm 22. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now you might wonder why he would say this, but in that time a rabbi or teacher would recite verses to his students to pinpoint the scriptures that he was referring to. And Jesus, being a teacher like he was, he taught his disciples the same way. So Jesus is pointing his listeners, anyone that would hear, to Psalm 22. And all of them were witnessing the fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament right before their eyes. Jesus was teaching even then. I want to point out a word in Psalm 22.6 that can be a little confusing. So as he is leading his listeners to this psalm, it also says, But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Now we break it down for us English and in our Bible we just see the word worm. But there are many Hebrew words for different types of worms that they would be using. And Jesus, the word that he uses is tola'ath, which means crimson worm. In other parts of your Bible you would see worm and that the word that would be used there would be rima, which means maggot. But I love the word Jesus uses. It is, it is tola'ath, crimson worm. It's the name of a specific worm in the Middle East that's mostly found in Israel. 
It's not until you begin to study the characteristics and the life cycle of this worm that you begin to see why it was used here. The crimson worm is a female worm, and when the time comes for her to give birth, she climbs up a tree or a fence post or whatever she can find. And once on this tree or post, the crimson worm attaches herself to the tree. This will only happen one time in her life. With her body attached to the wood, a hard crimson shell forms so hard and so secure that it can only be removed by tearing apart her body, which would kill her. She lays her eggs under her body in the protective shell. And when the babies hatch, they stay right under that protection. The mother's body gives protection for her newborn and also provides them with the food that they need. The young feed on the living body of the mother. She gives her life for her young. When she dies, her body secretes a crimson fluid that covers her entire body and all of her babies. The babies remain crimson colored for their entire life, but it also leaves a crimson stain on the tree. For a period of three days, the worm can be scraped from the tree to make a crimson dye that is very valuable. And it makes a, um, a crimson dye for the garments of the high priest in Israel. After three days, the worm is no longer crimson, but is turned into a snowy white wax that eventually falls to the ground like snow. Nature, God's creation. There's so much for us to learn if we'll just take the time to study and to see what he is saying to us. Jesus, in many parables, in many stories that he told, he used birds of the air, wildflowers, waves, winds, trees, seeds to teach us all. And Jesus, like that crimson worm, willingly hung on a wooden cross to fulfill the purpose and plan to redeem us. Just as that mother worm, when crushed, excretes a crimson scarlet dye that covers her babies, Jesus was also bruised and crushed for our sins. The nails brought forth a crimson blood that washes away our sin and marks us for his own. And just like those baby worms that are dependent on their mother, we are dependent on the blood of Jesus Christ for the redemption of our sin. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. The mother provides them food, which is her own body. And what does Christ say during the Last Supper? Take this and eat it, for this is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood that confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, the only difference in the first Passover meal and the Last Supper that Jesus was having was there was no lamb that had been prepared on the table because the lamb was sitting at the table. And we have the same power today that if we'll just pull up to the table and spend time with our Lord, he will meet you there. His presence is here waiting patiently. I have this saying that I say to my kids when they were younger, and I'll still say it now a few times. 
But I am your biggest fan. Me and your dad, we're your biggest fans. We love you. We want to honor you if you honor us. My advice is not to make your life awful, but it is to help you. If you will listen and just follow what we say, you will find rest. We will make sure you get the rest that you need. You will have everything that you need from us. I promise you that. You will learn from us. You will learn to be consistent also. We gave them a life they could trust. They knew that they could come home and we would be what they needed. Some of you are here today and you didn't have a mom or a parent who showed you the love of Jesus. And I know some of you are here today because mom just wouldn't stop asking and that's the only reason you're here. You're giving her that one favor of a year. I want to thank you for coming. It is very important for you to be here in this place today. And I think some of you are here today and you come week after week, but you haven't pulled up to the Lord's table in a while. You have eaten bits of the lamb, but not all of it. I'm telling you guys, it's time to feast. He has prepared the table and he is sitting patiently waiting for you to take a seat. Ladies at FWRC, I just want to take a moment and just thank you for coming week after week. And I'm ready to come and see you guys. But I know this is a hard day for you. I know you are without family. And I just want to tell you I love you. As a sister in Christ, I love you so much. And God loves you. And he thinks of you each and every day. And I want to speak to you guys in the room and speak life to you like I speak over my children still as adults, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The joy of the Lord is your strength, so find that joy. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. God is good and his mercy endures forever. He forgives you, he loves you so, so much. I wanna encourage you to slow down. Just slow down and take the times that will mean so much. You may say, I don't have it all together. I wanna tell you to stop living in the past and start looking to your future that is very bright. Let it be a fresh appreciation of coming to his table each and every day. And I wanna pray for you that haven't pulled up to the table in a while, and I wanna pray for a fresh appreciation for you to see the importance and the need of meeting him there. But I also know that there's people in the room today that have come and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and at the FWRC also. And I wanna give you that opportunity to come into the family of God, to pull up a seat with us because you may not have had a mama at home that told you the way, but there are spiritual mamas in this room that are ready and willing to teach you and to show you. I want you to just think for a moment, examine your heart and make sure everything is right. And I wanna give you the opportunity to accept Jesus today if you'll bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I pray over this congregation, your wonderful children that you love so much. Father, today, if there be anybody in this room that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I ask that you move upon them today 
and help them to know that today will be the first day of the rest of their life, that today they can feast with you like never before, that they will feel secure, they will feel loved, they will feel at home. Let them know today that you are saying, welcome home, my child. It is time to take a seat with me. So I wanna ask you if you keep your heads bowed, but if there's anyone in this place today that needs to accept a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you'll just raise your hands, I will see your hand raised. And just keep it lifted up so I can see it. Thank you for that hand. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else that would say, today I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life? Thank you. I see both of you today. I'll give you one more second for anyone here in this place that wants to thank you. Thank you so much for that hand. God is here. At the FWRC, I know that y'all are having ones that are raising their hands today, and I want to lead us all in a prayer, and I want us all to say it together if you'll look this way and repeat after me. And today, if you made that decision in your life, say this with so much power and so much urgency. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you into my heart. In Jesus' name. I wanna trust you and follow you all the days of my life. Today, you are my Savior and my Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your words today. I thank you for these lives that are making a change today. And they will walk freely into your presence. They will have a gentle reminder to do this in remembrance of you. The reason why we are here today is because of your precious son that died the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ, that we can witness it at our own tables, that we can be a witness to our families and we can share the goodness of God because it is real and it can make a difference in our lives. Lord, let us know how to share and when to share. Let our families be hungry and thirsty for the word that we want to share today and the days that are coming. Let us not take this lightly, Lord, because it is a responsibility and we need to follow the instructions that we will tell generation after generation what you have done and how you have brought us out. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.